Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. And now, KC Johnson. Kobe White, ball of three over Karis LeVert and nails it. Insider for NBC Sports Chicago. Give me that Covering everything from the dynasty to Derek to Demar, KC Johnson. I've covered the NBA for a long time. With Mullen Haw. Score. Welcome back. It's Mullen Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score. Gabe in for Mully today. And yes, it is time to bring in our next guest, Casey Johnson from NBC Sports Chicago. And he joins us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, CircaLasVegas.com. Good morning, KC. How are you? What's going on, guys? Doing well. You got a week off, so that's nice. I don't know if you're going to Indy for the All-Star festivities. My guess would be no. You need a, a little bit of a break. You've been traveling. You've been doing a great job. I love your post-game interviews <laughs> and your concentration and your professionalism. Let's, <laughs> let's start there because we do know how challenging that can be. And you kind of have had your share of challenges interviewing Kobe White the other day or just uh, Io the other day when Kobe White made it difficult. And it seems like players now it's a thing. They're trying to rattle you or have some fun with you. How difficult is that? It's not difficult at all because uh, it's uh, back and forth. And uh, for those that don't know, because uh, I saw some people clapping at me to let them celebrate. It's a bit between me and Kobe. He's doing it on purpose and he enjoys when I give the it back to him. So, um, it's it is what it is. Uh, those aren't you know uh, Pulitzer Prize winning journalism uh, moments anyway. So it's just uh, it's just some fun and that was that was that was a big win in Atlanta. So uh, they should be celebrating like that. Um, and uh, it's it's been uh, it's been it's been an enjoyable experience overall. I will say that. Well, as a longtime TV guy, you're just used to it. Right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. That's what I am. Casey, let's let's stick let's stick with Kobe for a second. I mean, obviously everyone can speak to, you know, his resurgence. We were talking about it earlier, you know, career highs in so many different categories. But talk about Kobe White the person. I think the one thing that I love and I've been, you know, kind of alluding to this all show with other guys on other teams is that, you know, that sense of ownership that we want as a fan base from these players. And it seems like Kobe has accepted that, you know, tenfold with this team. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of always been his defining trait. Uh, I spotted it early on, and Billy spotted it when, as soon as he got here. So even though his role fluctuated, you always knew he was going to look inward to do whatever he needed to do to try to figure it out. Now, I think anybody around the team, including Billy, including myself, including you know many others, couldn't wouldn't have predicted this jump from Kobe. Um, but 
all the credit goes to him because he has the right intentions. Um, you know, he, um, like I said, puts the work in, he cares. He doesn't like the attention being on himself. He likes to be on his teammates. Um, and, you know, you just have to uh, applaud a guy like that who has turned himself into, you know, a legitimate two-way player. I mean, he's still got some improvement to do on the defensive end, but he's not getting targeted on that end like he used to be earlier in his career. And then offensively, he's, you know, his game's not predicated on shooting anymore. He's become a, a multi-level scorer. And even when on games where he's not shooting the ball well, he's still making an impact on winning plays. And that, again, is all credit to him. And I always point to this, like, you know, this front office draws a lot of heat and in some cases, rightfully so. But when you've got a guy like him, you've got a guy like Al Sumo, you've got a guy like Alex Caruso on the contracts they're on, that's that's good cap management and that allows you to, you know, wherever this next roster iteration goes this offseason, that allows some flexibility there because you've got three pretty critical rotation pieces on, on pretty good value deals. So we were both there as Jimmy Butler was drafted, forgotten, buried on the bench, and then willed himself into being the kind of player that he is now. Now he had to be traded several times and, and learn from those lessons. But I think by the time you know the Bulls traded him to Minnesota on draft night uh, in that deal, he had become an all-star level player. He had made himself into one. Is, is that a fair comp to Co- what Co- what's going on with Kobe White, a guy that was – maybe not buried on the bench, but seventh overall pick, high expectations, hasn't really come into his own until this year. And now you wonder, because of what Jimmy accomplished after really improving while he was playing, kind of going in that direction, if Kobe is capable of getting as high as that level. I wonder what the ceiling is, and is that a fair comparison? Um. You know, well, first of all, I hope the Bulls don't trade him if you're a Bulls fan. Yeah, they've lived that movie before. Um, so, um, you know, slightly different player. Obviously, Bill, uh, Jimmy was much more physical. Um, but in terms of the work ethic and kind of looking inward and, and making it on your own, they're similar in that regard. Um, I'd like to see Kobe do it for longer and more consistently and also – still get to a higher level defensively. I mean, Jimmy, even at the start, was pretty elite defensively. I mean, obviously he had that signature breakout moment when he was barely playing and Tom uh, put him out in uh, New York at the Madison Square Garden against Carmelo Anthony, and he had that really strong rotational turn, and that was kind of his you know, welcome to the NBA moment. So from the start, Jimmy was at a higher level defensively. But I, you know, I don't know what Kobe White's ceiling is. Just like I don't know what Io DeSumo's ceiling is because every time you count that guy out, he kind of surprises you <laughs> and goes to another level. So I, I don't think I don't think either of them have multi-time all-star written all over them. But prove me wrong. Um, we'll see. I mean, Kobe I think has m- maybe a little bit more possibility there than than Io. But look, they're both really good players, and to me, they're the best two storylines of this of this pretty underwhelming bowl season. The cool thing about Io, Casey, is just like you mentioned, right? Elevating his game. I mean, getting to the the way he gets to the cup is similar to like a. I'm not trying to say it's these guys, but similar to like a Giannis or LeBron, where you're just going downhill. You don't care. You're gonna go up to the rim. It doesn't matter if it's two, three guys there. And the most impressive thing about Io at, near the rim is his ability to finish. 
there's been a couple of games where it's been one on two, one on three fast breaks where he just knows my speed, my athleticism is going to allow me to get to the cup. But it's his ability to finish that has really been impressive over these last couple of weeks. Yeah, well, the, the finishing absolutely stands out. That, to me, though, has been pretty consistent um, from year one. Uh, what I've seen is just a drastic improvement in his outside shooting. Um, he obviously had a down year from beyond the arc last year. And, you know, for him to get in the gym and, and put that time in, and he, he was really detail-specific about his improvement at uh, in that department with us post-game Atlanta when he made five threes uh, to set his career high, you know, talking about getting shot ready and how Billy Donovan pointed out after a film session after the Knicks loss in New York, how, hey, you should be a 40% three-point shooter, but you're not always shot ready, you know, and, and just the way he's square, hands up, ready to shoot in those corners, and the fact that he's shooting 41.1% from three on career-high volume, Again, that that's a testament to him and and the work ethic and the work at, work he's put in with with Peter Patton and and you know Billy point pointing that out in the, in the film session, and then defensively, you know you're going to always get the kind of the same effort from him just with his length and his physicality. I mean that that job he and Javon Carter did on Trey Young in Atlanta. That that you know Atlanta's not a great team, obviously, but they have a lot of firepower and and at home. And coming off that tough loss to Orlando, that that win really sticks out for me. Um, that that was a pretty impressive win. Obviously, if you're a Bulls fan, you would have liked to see them close it out in Cleveland to go three and one on that trip. Um, but um, you know, Io and Kobe both played very well, uh, pretty much throughout that that whole trip. So, Casey, you have a story on NBCSportsChicago.com about the news that LeBron James was in support of the idea of trading for Zach Levine. And that would have been, that would have been something that LeBron welcomed. And Zach is the third option and with the Lakers is intriguing to consider as well. So this idea that there might not have been a market, maybe there just wasn't a deal to be made, but maybe there was a market in LA. What did you make of the report? And what do you think of the story? Well, I mean, from this jump, when, when, uh, when Zach's, situation unfolded in early November, that was always a team targeted because of the connection with clutch sports and, um, um, you know, a lot of clients of clutch sports ending up in LA and then Zach, you know, playing at UCLA and um, having a home there. I mean, that, that was always the team targeted. There just was never a match. I mean, unless that, that conversation would never even got started unless Austin Reeves was put in the conversation and, they, you know, Austin Reeves was never put in the conversation. So the Bulls had no interest in training for D'Angelo Russell and Rui Hachimura um, and whatever would have needed else to be a sweetener in that deal um, at the time. I mean, and then what happened was D'Angelo Russell started playing at a level where the Lakers were like, you know, we don't really need to improve off this. So it, it's, 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 it's a, it's certainly a nugget because it's LeBron James and he's open to, so when you put LeBron James, but to me, the most telling aspect of that story, and we should credit the reporters, Sam Amick from The Athletic, longtime NBA guy, great reporter. Um, the To me, the most telling nugget of the story is, okay, so he said Le- LeBron was open to adding Levine uh, before the trade deadline, but then he said the Lakers are going to be targeting targeting three players this summer. None of them named Zach Levine. <laughs> it was DeJounte Murray, Donovan Mitchell, and Trey Young. So, um the Lakers are always on the hunt for star power, but the fact that Zach Levine didn't make the offseason list to me is the more 
telling anecdote from the story. Yeah, it would, uh, I think we all were anticipating and wanting something because just to see something different. I personally wanted D'Angelo Russell, back, or D'Angelo Russell, someone that can run the point. What? Why, and why and take the, the ball out of Kobe White's hands every time down yeah. the floor? No way, yeah. Gabe. Okay. No we, we, we can way. argue. Again, we can argue about this as much as you'd like, David. Uh, sorry, off the air. sorry off the air. Casey. I got to ask Casey another question. Um, Casey, when you look at the Bulls and where they're at, right? I mean, it has been frustrating to watch just because, you know, they're not necessarily at the top of the Eastern Conference, not necessarily at the bottom. And but but I, I I myself often struggle to try to quantify like how far the Bulls are, like that deviation. What does it look like from where they are to where they need to be? Like, is it just the star player? Is it just the shooters, a true a true power forward, all of the above? Like, can you do a better job of quantifying how far away or what that looks like? Well, to me, the, the biggest issue is just you've seen what the ceiling of this core is. So until we find out what happens with DeMar and have some clarity on that, you know, all signs point to him resigning though. So if he, he's resigning, what, what's, 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 where's your improvement? Because we've seen this core. We've seen it's, it's been long enough. The, the, The body of work is the body of work. The net rating is the net rating. And look, all three of those guys individually are good players, but the collectively, it just hasn't worked. And we've seen it now for how long, right? So, you know, maybe Lonzo surprises us all and, and, and comes back at a high level next season. I mean, there's just too many unknowns. But without that scenario developing, if DeMar is resigned, if you're not able to move off Zach, you're still, you still have that same core. So you can talk about all the time of Kobe developing and Io developing. And those are great stories. But if your high, three highest paid players don't impact winning on a collective uh, level, that's an issue. So that to me is where it starts and ends. And obviously we don't know for sure. All three of those guys are going to be back. Um, but um, until we see otherwise that that's what I'm working under. And it's just been puzzling because like I said, last, especially if you look at last season, all three of those guys had extremely good seasons and they had the 23rd ranked offense. So it's just, there's something missing. Obviously Lonzo ball is a big part of that, but you know, that ship has sailed a long time ago. Um, so, uh, you know, again, maybe he'll surprise us and come back. Everybody's rooting for him. Um, but uh, we'll have to see what changes they have in mind this offseason. You know, if you look at it just from a financial standpoint, if DeMar is resigned and Patrick is resigned, that projects to be a tax situation unless Lonzo is deemed a career-ending injury and or you're able to trade Zach. So, um you know, obviously these are scenarios the front office has to plan for, and I do think it'll be an interesting offseason. But until one of those three guys is elsewhere, uh, that's that's why I think you're kind of far away because that core has shown you that it, it it doesn't have a high enough ceiling to be competing for a championship. So for the rest of this season, they keep searching for shooting and back to the buyout market it is. You report last night that the Bulls talked to Gallinari's reps in the buyout market and – he chose the Bucks, and so the second time the Bulls wanted to have a shooter, <laughs> Gallinari specifically picked another team, and so I wonder where they go now, KC, and how aggressive they will be with whatever's left in the buyout market. Yeah, I heard one name that kind of intrigued me from the start uh, was Evan Fortier because um, I think he's been kind of buried. He, I don't think he was buried on yeah. the bench in, in New York, and he actually played at a really high level um in the world cup last summer um and he's very close to vooch um and a very good shooter uh, another guard so that wouldn't be the best scenario that's where Gallinari was nice because he added both size and shooting they're very thin up front 
Um, I think Gallinari's best days obviously are behind him, so I don't know how much he has left in the tank. Um, and then it's back to Fournier real quick, and I know I'm all over the place, but um, I've heard now that he, he may stay in Detroit, so we're going to have to see how that plays out. They'll, they'll, I would think at some point they'll add some form of shooting. Again, Gallinari was a nice fit. He's got connections to AK from Denver. He played for Billy Donovan in Oklahoma City. Um, you know, they've, they've targeted him twice. He signed with Boston in 2022 uh, before tearing his ACL. Um, I, I'd be surprised if they don't add some body that can shoot. And, you know, just when I say some body, it's because they're re- they've been really understaffed. I mean, Zach's out for the season. Patrick's been laid up and, you know, probably is going to be sitting out a little bit after the all-star break. Um, and you know, the minutes are piling up for Kobe and for DeMar and for even for Alex. So, um, I, I, I think at some point you're going to see somebody signed who that is. I, I don't know yet. Yeah. Evan Fournier, I think I thought it was interesting. I loved when he said like, Hey man, I could average 30 points. Just, put me, just give me some minutes. I'm being held back. Sound like Stacey King's talking, Stacey King talking about Phil Jackson. There. <laughs> um, but, 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 uh, uh Casey, I mean, this Bulls team, I mean, what should we really be looking for towards the end of the season, right? As this thing winds down, I mean, I know we're talking about adding people, but, you know, as a casual fan that's watching these games, I mean, I know it's the, it's the Kobe White, right? But, like, outside of that, like, what, what should we be looking for? Is it a team that that is banking on continuity? Like, should we be looking for more of that, for more gelling? Like, what, what should we be watching for? Well, if you can, uh, if you can shake off your playing fever symptoms, <laughs> because we're all going to have playing fever down the stretch. Uh, I don't know, man. You know, I think this team to win 43 wins. They're obviously going to fall short of that. I think everybody kind of knew this team was going to be kind of in the middle. So, you know, the playing adds some intrigue, but you know, I, I don't see Brooklyn or Toronto. Those teams to me look pretty cooked. So I don't see them falling out of the playing race. They're ninth now. So, yeah, I don't see him getting to six. So, uh, quite frankly, you know, Kobe Iowa. And I, I, I'll, give you, I'll give you one thing, something new. I, I, I wrote this today. I, th- I think sometimes DeMar DeRozan is so great, he's taken for granted. And I, you can parse mid-range and isolation and can't win a championship with him all day long. Screw all that, man. That dude is fun as hell to watch play basketball. He is so good. He's so smart. Um, he's so uh, g- uh, respectful of a teammate. He's totally into Kobe's rise. He was happy Kobe got the last call the other night. So there you go. Watch DeMar DeRozan down the stretch and appreciate that guy's brilliance because he's really, really good at basketball. There, okay. There's something for you. Casey, only 30 seconds left, but this ticked me off. I, I think you're, you're probably used to it. The last two-minute report reported that Caruso foul and Donovan Mitchell wasn't really a foul. That free throw mattered. That free throw made a big difference in that game down the stretch. It should not have been called, and that's what Caruso was arguing every Bulls fan was seeing. Is that just kind of like something you shrug and you move on by now, or what happens there? Here's what I'll say, because he said we only have a little bit of time. Orlando had five calls go against it on their last two-minute report. (laughs) They won the game. End of story, okay? Uh, okay. Get over it, people. The Bulls are not always screwed. Orlando had five calls go against them and won the game in overtime. Goodbye. (laughs) Thank you. All right, you put me in my place. I deserve that. So did everyone else complaining about that, Casey. Have a great weekend. All right, thanks for having me on, guys. Take it easy. Casey Johnson from NBCSportsChicago.com. You know what I'm talking about, though? I do. Donovan Mitchell shoots 24 free throws every time he plays the Bulls. So that that just, you know, it's magnified. I just thought it's not just me. Every team feels that they get 
kind of the wrong end of it in the final two minutes, especially when those reports come out. Transparency. It's in the name of transparency. It's in the name of driving your fans crazy because the refs are wrong a lot. All right. Glad I got that out. Casey's great stuff as usual. When we come back, did you see what happened at the United Center last night? Did you see who was back on the ice? Bedard mania. Yeah. Was that a good decision? Was it smart? Was the reward worth the risk? We'll talk about it next. Gabe is in for Molly. Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Bedard and Kurashev. Bedard fires. Blocked into the paint or just off it. It's taken by Graves. Good keep in there. By Korczynski. Bedard, open ice. The pass to Kurashev. He scores! Hawks are in business on Kurashev's ninth of the season. Welcome back. It's Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670. The score gave in for Molly today. That was NBC Sports Chicago's call of the Connor Bedard assist. First game back in 41 days, 14 games, and it seemed like longer. Seemed like longer, not only for hockey fans in Chicago, and I know that's a small segment of our audience. I get that. We're not going to break down the power play here, people. Don't worry. We'll get off this quickly. (laughs) Even though we're going to talk to Charlie Rumeliotis, who was there last night in the next segment. This is bigger than just the... The, the the niche sport that some people consider hockey to be, even in a sports town like Chicago. This is the closest thing that we have in the city to a superstar. This is Connor Bedard coming back, the number one overall pick, the the athlete in town that has the best chance of being that in his career. Are you shaking your head reluctantly because you don't agree with me or because you're not sure of yourself? Because that's true, Gabe. He is the closest thing to a superstar Chicago sports has right now. Agree or disagree? Ask that question to the Justin Field supporters. But I will say this. Oh, my gosh. I'm just saying because they think that he is, like, number one right now. Um, I, I, I will say this. Connor Bernard, of course, 
we understand, the casual fan understands the hoopla surrounding a Connor Bedard. We understand that he is the next coming of blah, blah, blah. I think the biggest issue, right, is that, you know, being out for 14 games, not having an opportunity to build momentum, it kind of stops that train a little bit. And I think your biggest gripe yesterday was bringing him back too soon. Is that right? Well, I don't know if it's a gripe. I, I think it's a question worth asking. And I, and I think it's, it's important to, to keep this in the proper context. This is not just a rookie trying to fit into the league. This is not just a guy trying to make an impression so he can last on a roster. This is the way I described it you know, to you. This is the Chicago's best hope at a superstar. This is a guy that when you look at his future, you want to be as careful and even more careful than your typical professional athlete because of what he means to the franchise, the city. This is your best chance at having another championship in the city. This is the you want we were having the the, the parade debate on Thursday because of the tragedy in Kansas City. You want to have a parade debate. Well, the next team that's going to win a championship, who's that going to be? The Blackhawks are in the conversation eventually because of Connor Bedard. Only reason. Only reason. That's how important he is. So in that context, when you have an 18-year-old kid who is so antsy that he can't stay off the ice and he wants to play 41 games after breaking his jaw, if I'm his dad, no way. No way. Now, I say that. I was going to say, holding the lip, okay. Broken jaw, <laughs> yeah, I say, no yeah, way. I say that after having acknowledged <laughs> in the 530 uh, segment that I let my son play his senior night with a hole in his lip and he bandaged up because it's hockey, baby. I know. I get it. I'm a hypocrite. We all are as parents. But I look at it from the Bedard perspective that the, what the Hawks did last night filled me with a lot of excitement and joy. And then you take a step back, you wake up the next morning, and you're like, I'm like, what did they do? Why did they do it? Connor Bedard played against Sidney Crosby because that's his idol? That's why you let him back? You risked everything. Risked everything is a harsh, harsh statement. Is it? He had a broken jaw 41 days ago. I'm sure he's okay. You, are you? Yeah. He's a broken jaw. I, 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 don't think, I don't think you're risking everything by letting okay. him play 41 days after the jaw, jaw injury. I will say this. Here's where I agree with you. Blackhawks had lost seven straight at that point. Yeah. They're in last place. They have the second-worst goal differential in the league. They're 1-8-1 in their last 10 games. I mean, the only reason you bring them back is to play against Crosby. Right? I mean, that's, like, the only thing. But when is a good time? Are you supposed to bring them back against, like, the San Jose Sharks? Are you supposed to bring them back against a bad team so he can get his feet wet and get them underneath? No. As you mentioned and spent the first four minutes talking about – he is a, a superstar. Was it four minutes? Oh, you're being exaggerating. You are exaggerating. I'm sorry if I put you to sleep talking about the greatness of Bedard. You're not the only one. I'm trying to use it as my argument as to why, Look, they, why they brought him back. Because the Blackhawks, too, want to spend four minutes talking about and have us talking about their star player. Because it had been 41 days. Because it had been too long, as I mentioned, from the beginning of the season where there was so much fanfare to the present. So what do you need to do to get David Hall and Gabe Ramirez on 670 to score to talk about the Blackhawks for the first time in a very long time? You play him against Sidney Crosby. And you cannot let that be a factor. You cannot let f who you're playing 
be the deciding factor or if any factor at all. I don't care if they're playing Sidney Crosby. I don't care if the game was on TNT. I don't care if Eddie Olchek was in the booth calling it for old time's sake. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. This is what I care about. Keeping my franchise player healthy for as long as possible so he could actually play in games that matter, so he can be healthy to fulfill his potential. I understand all the dynamics, and it sounds like I'm criticizing after the fact because I was, I was like, excited <laughs> yesterday. I told you I had four exclamation points to my text to my son. I don't use exclamation points. Sent me to. I sent you too. You get, well, I get excited when I talk to you. That's Gabe. what I'm saying. No, that's what I'm saying. So you but, were excited yesterday. But, but I'm just like, I, I woke up thinking, what did they do? Was that smart? And I get, okay, 708. As a dentist, you are right, Dave. 309 comes back at me. He was healthy, DH. They wouldn't put him out there if he wasn't 100%. So you give different opinions. There's no one right answer. I'm, I'm, glad, that he, I'm glad that he avoided injury. And I think every game that he's back on the ice, he'll get better at un- understanding how to do that and avoid those collisions. But I just think it felt like it was a little fast. It felt like it was a little rushed. And it felt like it was done for the wrong reasons. And maybe that's what bothers me a little bit. It was because it was Sidney Crosby that was opposing Connor Bedard. And we know their history and past. And so when you have Crosby versus Bedard, it's a great photo. It's a great keepsake. And Sid the Kid scored 15 seconds into the game. You can go now. <laughs> you can never come back. We got the keepsake you did it. souvenir. You did it. <laughs> but now it's like did, if, that was, if, if they were letting marketing reasons or sentimental reasons or emotional reasons, if they're thinking with their heart and not their heads, shame on them. Because I don't think you run a sports organization that way. I mean, we – we are not privy to all the information, so we don't know if maybe he was 100% ready to go. We are speaking as if, and I was too, it was everyone was in cahoots to get him on the, on the ice. But Mr. Dentist that just chimed in, how long does it take to heal from a, from a broken jaw? I don't want to Google. I'd rather my dentist texters let me know. I mean, because like you said, we're, we're speaking as if they rushed something, David. You know what it reminds me of, and some people out there might, might and this is probably, I, I know this will probably trigger the Michael Jordan uh, worshipers, and there's a lot of them in Chicago, and they should be. Jordan is Jordan. It was back in 1985-86 season. Do you remember when he broke his foot? Came back. Missed 64 games. Rehab down in North Carolina, playing five and five in the secret, and then he came back to a season that was pretty much lost, but ended up in the playoffs. But there was very little reason at that stage of his career to take that risk, right? And he was arguing with Jerry Krause, and he was arguing with Jerry Reinsdorf, and MJ wanted to play because he was Michael Jordan, and he was the next big thing. Now, there is not a comparison to an 18-year-old kid and Michael Jordan because Michael Jordan – is the guy who there's a statue of, and he won six championships, and we know he's the greatest ever. But what he meant to the Bulls is what Bedard means to the Blackhawks now. And if you're going to have different rules for different guys, I get that. I get that. They wouldn't have done that for everybody with Jordan. They wouldn't let anybody come back. But he was Michael Jordan, and this is Connor Bedard. Do you think that they would have let Jason Dickinson come back six (laughs) weeks after he broke his jaw? No. You heal up. We're going to get our investment. We're not going to risk this because, or maybe they would have had him back in five weeks, depending on the rationale, because he's not worth, you know, you're not worried about it as much. My point is is that I just don't know 
what the reasons were. I, I understand that he was medically cleared. I wonder how much of that clearance came with the pressure that's inherent when you're having Connor Bedard applying it. Do you feel like the losing would get to a guy like Connor Bedard? Absolutely. Absolutely. Losing games, it's probably already taken a toll. Uh, you know, look at Justin Fields. He's beating him down. You know, he comes from Ohio State to, to the Bears. You lose all the time. And any, any kid, any prospect, any professional athlete that is used to winning, that is losing at the rate the Blackhawks are losing at, it's got to be an issue. And so I think that his idleness was more of an issue in wanting him wanting to get back than anything. Great point. And there's nothing to play for, but he wants to play. Hockey guys don't care. Shift by shift, just put me on the ice. I don't care how much I'm hurting. I don't care what risk I'm taking. I just want to play. I understand that mentality. I am the father of a hockey player, not at Connor Bedard's level, but I get it. I get it. And I can re- respect it even. But I just think it was not as easy of a decision. Should not have been as easy of a decision as it seemed. And maybe it wasn't, and that's unfair, but I do think that I woke up this morning feeling a little bit different. So if I text you today, there won't be exclamation points. No, but I'm excited to hear what, what Charlie has to say because I wonder if, his, if, he, if he has a different opinion. Charlie Rumeliotis, we'll talk to him next from NBC Sports Chicago. It's Mullen Haas, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Welcome back. It's Mullen Hush, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Gabe in for Mully. That was Connor Bedard mic'd up after his assist in his first game back in 14 games, 41 days, broken jaw, healed, and he was back on the ice wearing the familiar number 98 sweater, which brings us to our next guest, Charlie Rumeliotis from NBC Sports Chicago and NBCSportsChicago.com. And he joins us on the Circus Sports Illinois Hotline. Download the Circus Sports app today. Good morning, Charlie. How are you? Good morning. What's going on? So, Charlie, you were all over it yesterday. It was a day that I think full of surprises, at least to some of us. Were you surprised, and how would you describe what happened? Well, I wasn't surprised from the standpoint when the the Blackhawks originally released the uh, timeline of Connor Bedard's uh, injury from the beginning, like when he underwent surgery on January 8th, they said it was going to be a six to eight week timetable. And I thought Connor's probably going to push this envelope and he's, he's, he's going to beat this original timeline. But as the weeks were leading up, like Luke Richardson was, was pretty clear on Monday saying that Connor was probably going to be in the non-contact Jersey all week. And then he would have a doctor's appointment either at the end of this week or early next week. And then he would be cleared for practice. Um, and they wanted to get him a couple practices in before he did return. So we were we were all targeting maybe February 21st against Philly, maybe February 23rd against Winnipeg, and then obviously word got out uh, yesterday morning that you know Connor was Connor the Black. I'm sure Connor was really pushing to play against his childhood idol, and they put him through some contact drills in the morning with some of the extra forwards. And, uh, you know, he was obviously good enough to play. So he's been skating for about four and a, or five, like four and a half weeks anyway. So I don't think conditioning was the issue. It was just making sure that he was good to go for contact. And once he was, it, you know, I don't know what, what, uh, 
you know, why the Blackhawks would prevent him from wanting to play because he was basically ready, game ready. Yeah, I think a lot of people were excited to see him on the ice, David Hall included. Um, what did you think of his performance first time back in 41 days? Yeah, I, I got to admit, I thought he was a little rusty the first period. Um, 15 seconds in, Sidney Crosby scores and Connor's on the ice. And then uh, later in the period, he kind of has this cross-ice pass that gets intercepted in the offensive zone. Pittsburgh goes down the other way and they score two to nothing. And, you know, I think Connor only played like four and a half minutes in the first period too. So um, I don't know if they were trying to ease him into the action, but boy, when the second period flipped, like he was by far their best player felt like he was creating a chance every, every single shift. And uh, he obviously had the primary assist on, on Kurashev's goal. I felt like he could have, he probably could have had two or three more points. Um, he had a nice, nice spin around a backhand pass. He, he, he uh, kind of teed up a one-timer for, for Kurashev. Like, he was he was really, really noticeable. So, um, I think he, it only took him about four minutes to shake off the, the legs. And then the second and third period, I thought he was Chicago's best player. All right, Charlie, you know how excited I was about his return. And, like, a lot of people anticipating with tons of just just enthusiasm. But call me conflicted. Because yesterday, yeah, I was – a little surprised that he was coming back. I was concerned because of the risk. He was medically cleared, so I don't want to be a hypocrite. How did they weigh everything to say that this is now? And I understand why, you know, Sid the Kid's in town. It is Crosby, his idol. But should that have factored in if it did because of what we're talking about here? He broke his jaw. And I, I know it's been six weeks, but still it seems like it was a little bit faster and I just wonder how was this a hard decision at all for the Hawks? Um, I'm sure it was. Like I'm sure Connor has been begging to play for like a week or two now, probably even before that. To be honest with you, like he was at the All Star Game in Toronto and he appeared on one of the the TV stations. It was Sportsnet, and uh, they asked him like, oh, "When are, when are we going to see you next?" And he's like, "Well, if it was up to me, I'd already be back." But you know, we we don't, we got to play it safe. So it was obviously the organization that was making sure that they were following the the doctor's professional advice. And uh, it, it's funny because, like, I had a couple people tell me um, on Wednesday afternoon, Connor had a, a scheduled doctor's appointment, and he ended up showing up first thing in the morning, basically saying, like, I want to do my scan now. Um, and I think he, he probably did that because he wanted to be cleared for practice later that day. Um, now the team played it cautious and there's like, I think it's a little bit too soon, but after practice had ended, I'm sure that they kind of all gathered up and, and Connor was really pushing to play. It, it felt like, listen, Connor is the face of the franchise. And I don't think the Blackhawks would have put him in a position last night if they didn't truly feel like he was ready, uh, both mentally and physically, like the jaw, like fully healed. And I think if Connor was really pushing to play and the imaging scan showed that it was, he was good. I, I don't, I mean, what, I don't know if you want to, uh, you know, piss off your star. if like you continue to kind of push this along. Like, I think he really wanted to play. He feels like he was ready. He's always on the ice. So I, I honestly didn't mind it. And I think um, he looked, he looked the part. Like I know the first period was a little shaky, but he looked, he looked mm-hmm. like he was fine he and there was no timidness in his game. No. He was confident, had a swagger. Looked good, got his legs underneath him. Uh, Charlie, the trade deadline for NHL is three weeks away. When you're looking at this Chicago roster, 
you know, are, are there going to be a handful of guys that are, that are going to be on different teams, you know, in three weeks? Yeah, I think it's going to be a much quieter trade deadline this year than it was last year. And obviously last season, it was the big story was what's going to happen with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. But they even had some other pieces last season, like Max Domi and Sam Lafferty and Jake McCabe, um, that they were able to move for future assets. And I thought that would probably be the case again this season. Uh, Jason Dickinson is having a terrific season for Chicago. Same with Peter Mrazek. And and you kind of figured, okay, those are the two tradable assets that Chicago has. But rather than dangling them on the market, they decided to re-sign them. And I think it is a little bit of a pivot um, from what they were uh, probably expecting going into the season. Uh, But because the Hawks dealt with so many injuries, it's almost like, man, you can't put these young guys in a position where they're, where ba- they're basically drowning. Um, and so they were like, you know what, why don't, we, why don't we just re-sign these guys for on shorter-term deals and actually put some infrastructure around these young players for the next couple of years to make sure that they're growing. And, you know, I think that, was, that decision was probably easier knowing that they have a boatload of draft picks already. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be a, a quieter deadline this year than it was last year. Charlie, keep up the great work. Enjoy the Hawk cast and all that you do for NBC Sports Chicago. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Charlie Rumeliotis talking about the Connor Bedard return Thursday night against the Penguins. He scored and played and looked much like the guy you expected to see and have seen throughout his rookie season after the first period. So good for him, and may he stay healthy for all sports fans in Chicago. Got to tell you about a cool event. Week from Sunday, Bet MGM and 670 to score. They will honor, we will honor, Hall of Famer Chris Chelios, his career and retirement of jersey number seven next Sunday. Our show, Mullion Haw, goes weekends, noon to three at Kaiser Tiger that day. The show, we're going to have a lot of fun talking hockey, everything, honoring Chris Chelios, hoping that the guest of honor stops by. We want his family, we want his friends, we want people coming in to celebrate Chelly because he is the man of the hour. Come by yourself, say hello, 1415 West Randolph, noon to 3 at Kaiser Tiger. 1415 West Randolph right there near the United Center because afterward, the Red Wings are in town. They play the Hawks, the Red Wings. That means Patrick Kane is there too. Big day on the west side. Bet MGM will also be celebrating by offering a $7 Bonus bet to all customers. Bet MGM, the king of sports books. We come back. It's Grody time. Mullion Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 